0: Sin Lord, and God, my heart, when I'm tempted, with wrong, help me stand. Lord, and guard my heart. When I'm tempted with wrong, help me stand, keep me strong.
1: I felt something on my foot, but I couldn't tell what it was. I found out, <laughs> oh my, what a beautiful song I'll tell you what what a great job. Thank you so much. It's so important you know you see a father and son talking about guarding your heart, and it's so important that we as dads that we guard our hearts, that we can protect our children as well and it's so good to see um you know it to to see that Uh, Alan, getting up here and singing, did a great job. I appreciate that, buddy. You did such a good job. Thank you, David, for singing this morning. Perfect song for the message today. I want you to take your Bible today, if you would. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we'll be reading here in just a few moments, but I just want to say it's good to be in church this morning, so good to see you all, good to see some of you back, and we welcome you back, some of them have been sick, some of them traveling, sure good to see every one of you here this morning, it's wonderful to be able to come into the house of the Lord and, and uh, hear the singing, you all did, while we were singing, it's just great to see you lifting up your voice and praising the Lord, it's just a wonderful thing to, to be a part of that service, and I appreciate your willingness to, to lift up the name of the Lord and sing. And um, now it's time for us to open the Word of God. God wants to speak to our hearts. And we sing songs, we lift up the name of the Lord and preparing our hearts, and I, I I pray that God would speak to your heart today. It's been a theme, talking about the heart, and uh, the song we just heard, talking about the heart. If you're here at 10 o'clock, talking about the heart, well, we're going to talk about the heart a little bit more here in the sermon this morning that God has for us. And we're looking at a passage of Scripture that's very familiar, but before we get to that, before we read it, I just want to say a few words. You know, the... It, it, the world we live in today, it's not getting easier to be a Christian. It's not going to get easier either. It's There are a lot of challenges that we're facing. We see it on all fronts. And, you know, I can't imagine what it would have been like to live in the days uh, when Jesus lived and or perhaps the Apostle Paul and looking at things that were going on in the known world in that day, the places that he traveled, the things that they saw. I know there's a lot of terrible things that went on and idolatry and, in, uh, for instance, in in Corinth and in Rome and Greece, a lot of the things that were going on were terrible things, and we read about that. Never experienced it. Here, I'm, I love history. Reading about the things that went on, and I know it must have been a challenge. Can you imagine the the challenge of then being persecuted as a Christian, and reading about martyrs of the faith and throughout history, people that have been very difficult. Well, today I don't believe we live in a time, in this country at least, where we have to worry about whether or not we're going to have to die or give our life for our faith today, even though we ought to be willing to give our life. That's not what we're facing, but today I believe that we have so much, that we have so many things, so much entertainment, so much things that we can fill our mind and our our lives with, that oftentimes it's a real challenge to be a Christian the way that we should be. Now, when we say Christian, I'm not just talking about a generic term either. I'm not talking about the fact that the world's greatest religion by number is Christianity. By numbers, they say it is. I'm talking about not that religion. I'm talking about the individual reflecting Christ-like behavior in their life. Being truly like Christ. Do we have Christians in Ludington, Michigan? Do we have Christians at Lighthouse Baptist Church? And I believe that we do. We have people that are desiring that. But I can tell you, there's a lot of attack on that right now. What it means to be Christ-like, an attack for us to, to not be that way. There's a whole lot we've been through in the last just couple years about the whole woke thing and all kinds of this and that. And, and, and if you're going to be a Christian and stand for the word of God, that, to, that they're considering a lot of those things, even hate speech today, which is so contrary. Isn't the devil like to take something that is right and make it look wrong? You want to talk about hate speech. When you're talking about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no such thing as hate speech in that at all. And we as a child of God, if we are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and we share the truth of the Word of God, there's no hate with that at all. It's with the love of the Holy Spirit of God within us. The love of Christ in us sharing that. But it's not getting easier to be a Christian. Being a Christian being not just the love of Christ, but living a life, that, a life of, of holiness of living a life of being something that's different than the world. There's all kinds of challenges that we face, and a lot of things have crept in. and It's, it's not easy of being a Christian. You, you know, it used to be that you'd be able to, 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 to watch some type of entertainment, and it, it was like it was innocent. Man, the innocence is gone. There's so much garbage that has crept in. Something that you'd like to watch and you'd like to see and maybe enjoy someone, you've got to be careful what you're reading, you've got to be careful what you're watching. It, it's not listen. they're trying step by step, they are breaking down the walls. they're trying to change your thinking. And by the way, they're trying to change your heart. They're trying to get in and put those things in your heart. And they're, they're literally trying to destroy you as a Christian. I'm talking about the world's philosophy. I'm talking about the way the world is working. And by the way, I'm talking about that the devil is working. We are in a spiritual warfare. And many Christians have fallen to the lure of the temptations that are out there. Social media, Internet, they expose you to much temptation. Men, we need to guard our hearts. Ladies, we need to guard our hearts. There are things that you can get involved with that now, listen, the years ago that weren't right there at the fingertip, you couldn't just touch a button and all of a sudden see the horrible things that are out there that that the devil is trying to use to get the young men and the young ladies, and not just them, but mom and dad. Never dreamt there would be a day when things you had to be so careful of. Listen, you need to protect yourself. You need to make sure that you put the guards up. There ought to be guidelines to the things you allow yourself to consume and your family to consume. Today, all you got to do is take your phone out and you can bring up just about any garbage you want to right here, and it's at your fingertip. And it doesn't always start out with the horrible thing of pornography, it starts out with perhaps getting into the social media area and and starting to reaching out and how begin to build relationships with people that are not godly relationships. and It's it's just so much prevalent within the lives of young people, and, and not just young people, but adults today. Many Christians have fallen to those lures. You think about activities in our life today. Many more activities that compete directly with church times. When I grew up, there was nothing that was going to compete with church time, because when I grew up, we went to church during church time. If there was something that was going to compete with it, we didn't even think about the question, are we going to go to church, or are we going to go do this? I'll just give you a quick example. When I was growing up, went to a Christian school, and I say, Christian like this. Not everybody in that ch- school was a Christian. There were some that were. The attempt was made, right? It wasn't a great Christian school. Growing up in Detroit, we didn't have a lot of choices in that environment where we were at. But going to that Christian school, I was—I remember joining the baseball team. And there was a time when the coach decided he was going to move practice for baseball practice to be on Wednesday night. We were getting ready for the big game. You see, I was in eighth grade. We were going to be going to the finals, man. We were in the playoffs. We were going to go against a United Baptist Christian School, and they had—they uh, were going to be fighting against us. So we had to add practices. So they added it on Wednesday night. Guess who didn't go to that practice? <laughs> and you know why I didn't go to that practice? was because I was such a, at eight, eight, eighth grade, I'd made such godly decisions for my life. No. Now, I'm not sure what I would have done without the question, but the question was never there, because my dad said, absolutely not. Amen. You were going to be in church, young man. And so guess where I was at, Is at church. You know what, I could tell you right there and then that the, the, the rest of the team did not appreciate the fact that I took that stand. Can you imagine a Christian school being persecuted? Persecuted. That's a funny word, but in eighth grade it felt like it. As a young person, it did. Where were you at, Blount? We have so many things like that. And the sad truth is, many Christians today are going right down. And They're saying, oh, hang on a minute. They've got practice? We've got to get them there. They've got a game? We've got to get them there. Oh, they're involved in sports? But it's good to teach them, I mean, to, to be responsible. By being involved in such a thing where they need to be responsible and it teaches them character. I've heard those things about organized sports. And by the way, there's some truth to that. But when it conflicts with you being in church or being a child of God or being a Christian, something's wrong. It's not going to get any easier. And if we don't make those wise decisions for our children when they're young, guaranteed when they grow up, they're not going to make any better decisions. No amens to that? Don't think so? Seriously, kids, they're going to take it to the next level. If you will give him this much, they're going to take this much. Now, but by the grace of God, there are some kids that come out of horrible situations. And God, he he gives them a, a life like they never dreamed possible. You might be in that situation in your life right now where you have a very difficult home environment. I can tell you this. God can deliver you from that. God can give you better than you ever thought possible. I have seen it again and again and again. And yet I've also seen it again and again and again. Where we have Christian moms and dads that aren't setting the guidelines for their kids. And their kids are getting involved in these things. And they take it to the next level. They don't choose a better level. Most often. There is an attack. And that's just an example. That's just a small smidgen of an example of choices that we have to make right now. It used to be that most businesses were closed on Sunday. And the reason why they're closed on Sunday now is why? Well, it's because people need family time. They want to go out. Now, there's a lot of businesses that still are closed. Some of you, you're part of businesses. They're closed for the weekends. You can go and do things. And instead of Sunday being the day that you used to go to church, a lot of people today, they don't even go to church. It's a family day. used to be our biggest Sundays here at Lighthouse Baptist Church would have been Easter and Christmas. Not anymore. Those are family days. I don't understand. Yet that's the world we're living in right now. And the sad part is that we as Christians need to understand that we ought to be different than that. We need to understand that we ought to have some priorities in our life and we are to be a godly Christian. We ought to have some priorities, things that are more important to us. Instead of choosing whether we're going to work or go to church, we ought to choose what is most important. Is it God or is it not? Challenge. Challenge to be a Christian, to live like a Christian in 2023. And so I think it would be good for us as we begin a new year, I want to go back and look at the life that God blesses. The life that God blesses. How to have a blessed life. I guess I should start with this question. Do we desire for God to bless our life? Let me just start with that. Do you desire that? Is that something you want All right, so the Word of God tells us how this can happen. And so if I want that blessed life, let's go to the Word of God. I believe that we could get some very valuable information. And I can say this, that if you want to go to the greatest message ever preached, how about going back to the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus Christ himself spoke it. I want to spend a few weeks as looking at this. We're not going to go into every detail of it we have in the past, but I, I want to pull out some things about how that we see here in the Word of God how God will bless a life. and that, that We see here that the Beatitudes define a life that God blesses, and it's straight, remember, from the words of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, did Jesus mean it if we do these things that he might bless us? Did he say he might bless us if we do these things? No. no? We're going to read it here in a minute. He didn't. You say might. Does it mean that if I do these things that God will consider blessing me? No. That's not what it says. You see, if Jesus says nine times in ten verses that he's going to bless you, I would say that he's going to bless you. You can mark it down. You know that he cannot lie. And he gives us some promises here. I want you to look here, if you would, Matthew chapter five. Look at verse number two. Would you stand with me? Let's read this together. I'll read aloud if you follow along there. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Would you read this with me? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises that you make here this morning to us. What I pray that you would challenge our hearts? What I pray that we would listen? Lord, you may you speak to us. May we have hearts to hear, ears spiritually to hear, hearts that are open. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to be resolved, to make a decision to choose, to choose to serve you, and Lord, to choose to give you our hearts. Lord, that you would purify us and make us what you want us to be. You'd wash us Lord, that we would truly be Christ-like. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we think about this morning, I want us to focus in on verse number 8. I want us to talk about the pure in heart. Look at verse number 8 once again. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God. And the first point I want you to notice is this, is that God wants your heart because God blesses a heart that is sold out to him. God will bless your heart if you'll be sold out to him. That's why God wants your heart. God wants your heart because he knows that if he has your heart, he has all of you, every part of you. Now let me say something this morning, and, and man, you probably could say the same thing to your wife, at least I hope you can. But you know, charity, my wife, she has all of my heart. Don't look at your wife when you say things like that. She's <laughs> got all of it. She doesn't have to worry about the fact that my heart is for some other woman. She doesn't have to worry about the fact that I'm gonna be doing anything to hurt her as far as cheating on her, anything like that. She she's got all of my heart. I love her more today than the day that I married her. I know her more today, and I love her all the more. She's got all of my heart. And because of that, she doesn't have to fear. We have peace with one another. She don't have to worry about those things, of what could happen. She can rest in the confidence that I am hers. Let me ask you this morning. Does God have all of your heart? Do you love him more today than the day you got saved? Does he know that? Does he see it? Does he feel it? Does God have all of your heart? You see, God, he has my heart. And when God has my heart, I can rest. I can rest. I can rest in the confidence that he's going to bless me no matter whatever comes my way. Bless me. Do you realize that even in difficulties, God blesses? Some of the greatest blessings in my life came as a result of the hardest things of life. Some of the things that happened at the time, you might not see it in that moment, but you look back at it and you say, God, God, you were so gracious even then. God, you blessed me so much. You look back and you see the difficult times, and listen, when God has our heart, we have confidence. I can rest in confidence. Listen, we know that whatever comes our way, that if God has my heart, God is blessing. Even if it's difficult, even if it's hard. I think about the Old Testament. You know, the pages of the Old Testament are filled with incredible stories where people, they endured some incredible difficulties. But even through those difficulties, God blessed them. He blessed them through it. Why? Because God had their heart. I mean, I think about some of the great, great, wonderful heroes of the faith. Think about Noah for a moment. You think about what he went through in his life. Can you imagine living in the world that he was living in at the time? Of course, the Bible says the times when the Lord comes back is going to be like the days of Noah. Well, you know what? He was going through very similar to what we're going through right now a difficult day. Can you imagine all the persecution that he faced, the people making fun of him. See, he preached what God had put in his heart. But God had his heart. And God saved him and his family by instructing them how to build that ark. And God closed that door. God protected them. Why? Because God had Noah's heart. God blessed him. God had the hearts of the three Israelite boys. You remember there in the fiery furnace. God had their heart. And they had peace in their heart because God had their heart. They didn't have to worry. They weren't worried one bit. They knew that even if they were to die, that God was taking care of them. They had a peace. They didn't, they didn't care about that. They said, if God even doesn't deliver us, everything's going to be just fine. i talk about being in the fiery furnace of life. They were there, literally. And yet not one hair was singed on their arms, on their head. God was there. God had the hearts of these young boys, and God delivered them. How about Esther? God had the heart of Esther. And God blessed her by saving the people of Israel. You see, Noah, the three Israelite boys, the Queen esthers they rested because God had their heart. God had their whole heart. And make no mistake about it. Jesus knew the importance of having your whole heart when he proclaimed that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind. All of our hearts. Let me ask you once again, do you love God? Do you love him with your whole heart? You see, the problem is this. This is where the struggle comes in. The devil knows the benefits of giving our heart to the Lord. And so he's going to do all that he can to divide our hearts, to divide us between us and God. And he's going to try to get us divided to something else. He's not going to try to steal your whole heart from God. You're a child of God. He can't take everything. You never will stop being a child of God. He holds us fast. There's no doubt of that. But you would realize that he just needs to take a part. Just a piece. I want us to look at some of the ways that the devil does that. Just a few things, just very quickly, and challenge us with it today. First of all, the devil can steal part of your heart by getting you to live for something else right now. Right now. That's all he needs to accomplish his goal. Just getting you to live for something else. Just get your focus off following God. Get your focus off being a Christian. Just live for something else right now, just temporarily, just for a while. The Bible talks about something like that. Partly committed. Partly worshiping God, following God with your life. Partly doing that. In Revelation chapter 3, in verse 16, we see the indictment that comes down upon the church at Laodicea when it says this, So then because thou art lukewarm and art neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Lukewarm. Not 100% for God. Not 100% in the world. Kind of taking part of our heart and giving it to the things of this world. And saying, here God, I'll give you what's left over. Lukewarm. God says I'll spew you out of my mouth. There's something else right now, person, I think falls into the lukewarm category. They're lukewarm because there's something else that's there. The one that God will spew out of his mouth. That's what it's talking about. Makes God sick. Let's just put it into perspective. Let's say, as I used the illustration earlier about my wife, she has my whole heart. And I say to her, sweetheart, you've got all of this side of my heart. But Susie has the other side of my heart. Now that should provoke something, right? Probably my near-death experience. But I love you, sweetheart. But I love Susie too. That would make her want to spew. That would make her sick. Am I right or wrong? You think about that. You say to the love of your life, but I love you, but I love her too. That makes me ill. If my wife said that to me, I'd be like, I'm disgusted. Does God see us? A God that loves us so much. A God that loved us so much that He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die in our place. And he says, I want your heart. I've given you mine. It's broken for you. I died for you. I paid your sin debt. I want your heart. I want your devotion. By the way, hey, I bought you with the price. You no longer belong to yourself. You belong to me. Just as I belong to my wife, she belongs to me. Even more so, I belong to God. I belong to Him. He deserves my heart. He doesn't deserve for there to be other things that would take place in my life, aside from Him, that would take precedence over Him. God, I love you, but that little small part. The devil knows that if he can get us to do that, boy, he's he's working in your life. He's causing you to fall. You're not going to be that person that's pure in heart. There's no doubt. He knows that he can get you not to have the blessings of God in your life if you're divided and you're serving one master over here and serving another master over here. Don't we know we can't serve two masters? It's either or. It's one or the other. It can't be both. The devil can steal part of your heart to get you to live for something else right now. He knows he can get you. You know, and sometimes here's the thing. We'll say, well, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. Huh. You know, I, I want to pursue my education, maybe. I, I want to make sure that I get good grades, and I want to pursue my education, so when I go off to college, I'm not going to be worried about going to church and stuff like that. i got to focus in on that. I've seen young people do that, by the way. I've seen what happens. I've seen people go off and join the military, and I see what happens. It's just temporary, though. I'm going through boot camp. You know, the rest of the guys, they're not going to church. You know what? I'm just not going to go. I've seen what happens. It's just temporary. The devil knows. How about this one? I want to get myself financially sound first, got to work extra hours. It's just temporary. I want to pursue what I want to do first, and then I'll settle down and serve God. Man, I've seen that with people. I want to go out and do this. I want to go out and do that. And once I get everything in order, as a, hey, you know what? I'll be a good Christian once I graduate. I'll be a good Christian once I go to college. I'll be a good Christian once I get married and settle down. It's just temporary. How about this one? I'm just God and church tired. I'm just tired been doing the Christian thing for so long, I just need some time, a way to recharge. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. So often when people make a decision like that, it's not a short-term decision. So often when people make a decision for a short time, they say, I'm just going to do this for a while, and then I'll get back the way it should be. What happens is that decision they made, it lasts and lasts and lasts and lasts, and and it goes on. And there's many times it lasts the rest of your life. Maybe a day in your life you used to be in church, you used to go. There used to be a time when you were in church when the doors were open, but you said, you know what, I need to just take a break. Just a small piece of my heart. You see, you take time away from God, you lose the blessed life. You take time away from God, you lose the blessed life. You take that time away from God and God can't bless you the way He wants to. You are limiting the blessings of God in your life by the choices that you're making. Why? Why? He blesses the pure in heart. He blesses the pure in heart. And remember, you're in danger in that temporary situation of becoming a long-term absence from God. And so what do you do? Don't go there to begin with. Don't step away to begin with. Don't stop to begin with. Keep your priorities right to begin with. Stay the course. You See, you've got to remember, the devil just needs you to take away a little bit to win, to steal your blessing. Secondly, the devil, he'll steal part of your heart by getting you to hold on to just one thing and not giving that one thing over to God. Just holding on to that one thing. If you remember in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they defeated the the, the people of Jericho on the way to the promised land. And God gave them specific orders not to take any of the spoils from the city. Remember how God gave them the great victory there in Jericho? God gave them um, the ability to just defeat them. Walls came tumbling down. They came in. They weren't supposed to take anything, though. One man, Achan, he took some of the spoils. The people of Israel, they, they then go against the next city, and the Israelites are defeated. This small city, a small army. They just defeated this great wall, this great army, this great fortress of Jericho. And now they go against this weak city and they are defeated. Why? You all remember the story how Joshua discovers that God withheld the blessing to the whole nation. Why? Because of one man, Achan. One man. He took from the spoils. took what he was not supposed to take. One man. That one man's decision not only impacted his life, but it impacted the life of his family. It impacted the life of his next generation's children. It impacted not even just that, but it impacted the children of Israel. By holding on to something that was not his, by wanting that thing that he should not have had. How about the rich young ruler in the New Testament? He comes to Jesus. He's looking for a blessing. We discover that he was sold out to God of course of what he says and everything, except for one thing. What was that? It was money. He was rich, he was young, he had lots of money. He could not give that part of his life over to God. And the Bible goes on to say that the rich young ruler went away sad. Why? Because he could not receive God's blessings. He could not let go of that. He would not let go of that one thing. You know, the devil knows that he just needs to get you to hold on to that one thing in your life. And let God have the rest. And if he'll do that in your life, if you allow that to happen in your life, the devil wins. I wonder today, is there some part of your life you haven't given over to God? What are you holding on to? What is that one thing? The rich young ruler, it was money. To some parents, it might be their children. To some worker, it might be their job. You know what it is in your life that you've not given over to God. If you're holding on to something, I hope you would know what it is. I would hope that you'd say today, as you hear this message preach God, is there something in my life that I'm holding on to that I'm not willing to give to you? What is it? The devil wants to steal part of your heart because he doesn't want God to bless you. He hates you. Thirdly, the devil can steal part of your heart by getting you to hold on to one secret sin and not confessing that sin to God. Holding on to that sin. It might be that sin that so easily besets you. It might be that pet sin that you have. It might be that thing you're holding on to. Listen, I hope that today that you would do as the Word of God says, if there's sin in your life, that you do as 1 John tells us that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I would hope that you're not holding on to some sin within your heart, something you think that nobody else knows about. Holding on to that thing in your heart. Listen, you need to confess it today. Ask God to forgive you of it. Stop carrying it. Stop feeding it. It can happen to anybody. You see, I know from the story of King David and Nathan the prophet that David had a secret sin that he had not confessed to God. He had a sin that he thought he'd gotten away with. He had a sin of Of adultery at best case scenario, or perhaps even committing rape and what he did. And you think that's all terrible, and you want to talk about how horrible that would be. And then to add it on top of that was murder. You thought nobody would notice, God saw it. David and his pride all welled up within him, thinking that who would do such a thing when Prophet Nathan came to him? Who would do such a thing? Of taking that which isn't his when he had everything. It was him. He was the one that was guilty. He thought he had hidden it, but it wasn't hidden to God. I've seen it. People think they've got this sin that they can hold on to and that nobody will see it. I've seen it in counseling. People have secret sins that they've told nobody, not God, not their spouse, no one. They're holding on to that and they're not repenting of it. They're holding on to that and yet say, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved and I'm way to heaven. But, you know, there's this thing I'm hiding over here. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to confess it. I see it in examples of David. I see it in examples of people in the Bible. I see it in examples of people's other life, in their life and other people. But you know what? I see it also in the example I've seen in my own life. Times in my life when I was holding on to a sin I didn't repent of. Times in my own life that perhaps at times you don't even realize it's there because I haven't asked God to reveal it. And search me, oh God. And try me living in my own flesh and strength and carrying that sin and then God finally will speak to your heart about it and sometimes not letting it go. Times in my life I look back and there's times when God had to chasten me because I didn't ask for forgiveness or make things right. God didn't bless me. By the way, He showed His grace by chastening me, but I wouldn't have called it a blessing. It wasn't happy to go through. I see it can happen in any life. Why do we hold on to the secret sins? Why do we hold on to it? I'm sure there's many reasons. There's a couple that come to mind. Perhaps one would be, I might be too embarrassed to tell God, I've been there. You ever ask God for forgiveness of sin and feeling that, that God has forgiven you and you did exactly what the word of God says and you ask God to forgive you and you turned from it, you repented, you realize what it cost you ask God to forgive you, and you praise the Lord, God forgave me. It's like He put a new set of clothes on, and you're walking, you're clean. You're going through life, and then all of a sudden, what happens, man? You stumble, and you fall again. And it's the same exact thing, that sin that so easily besets us. And you say, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I've fallen again. God, would you please forgive me? You know what he does? He's faithful and just to forgive us when we confess. He forgives you again. He cleans you up and you say, God, thank you. Thank you so much for forgiving me. God, thank you so much. I feel so much better and you're going along and all of a sudden you fall again. Mm. The accuser of the brethren comes. He starts accusing. Dirty, rotten, no good. You're such a horrible. How can you call yourself a Christian? Your old flesh starts to get involved. How can you go back to God again? You should be ashamed. There's many people, I believe many Christians, they're carrying this guilt. They're carrying that sin. They're carrying that weight. They're being deprived of the blessings of God because they're holding on to that sin. And it might be just because you're ashamed and you keep falling into it. You keep falling into it. Hey, listen, God wants to set you free from that. God wants you to come to Him. He says, He promises that if we'll confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Trust Him at His Word. Don't let the devil have the victory in your life. You've got that sin that perhaps you're ashamed to come to God. Get back up. Go to God. Ask God for forgiveness. That might be why you're holding on to it today. It might be worse than that. It might be because you like that sin. I like it too much. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to give it up yet. I'm not ready to get rid of that. No, no, no. It brings me too much pleasure. I know it's wrong. I know I shouldn't be sleeping with that person. I know I shouldn't be living that way. I know it's wrong, but I'm not ready to give it up yet. I enjoy it too much. I enjoy fulfilling the lust of my flesh as I look at this video. I'm not ready to give it up. I'm not ready. Yeah, it makes me feel bad, but it makes me feel so good, I'm not ready to give it up. Time goes. The weight gets bigger. The result is devastating. Instead of having a pure heart, and protecting your heart is now defiled. Instead of being that Christian that God wants you to be and being Christ-like and showing the love of God, you have the guilt on you. People don't see the love of God in you. You have this drain that's on you and you're continually living this way and God doesn't have your heart and God cannot bless you the way he wants to bless you. There might be another reason why you hold on to your secret sin but listen, if you hold on to that, the devil wins. The devil gets the blessing. He robs it from you. When I say blessing, I'm talking about he's happy. You know, sin, it's so deceiving. You must remember it's only for a season that you enjoy it. There's people that could stand up and give testimony here today of things in their life that they did that was pleasurable for a season, but the payday came. The payday is coming. You continue playing with fire, you're going to get burnt. You continue holding on to that sin. You can mark it down. It's defiling you. It is hurting you. And it's not just affecting you. It's hurting your children. It's hurting this church. It's hurting the cause of Christ. The question is, does God have your heart? And if not, why not? Who has it? Lukewarm? Temporary? I've seen it. I've seen miserable people. I've seen Christians in their life that have been so far away from God, they don't even know what it's like. They miss it, but yet they don't know how to get back. And I can tell you the only way back is just to say, God, please forgive me. I'm coming back. I'm coming home. I've seen people that have made the decision to choose to do right and how God has blessed their life and how God has delivered them, how God has given them blessings and victory. And I've seen people that have chosen not to. They go through life. They try to find the pleasures of the life and sin. They try to fill the emptiness of their life with things. They try to get it with education. They try to get it with the pleasures of this world. They try to get it in any way they can. If there's an emptiness that's there, they'll never fill. They don't have the blessing of God on their life because God doesn't have their heart. And sometimes Coming to God is going to cost something. But I can tell you the reward is greater than the cost. You getting rid of that thing that you've been holding on to, the reward is greater than the cost. You making a decision that God's coming first no matter what, I can tell you that the the reward is greater than the cost. The bottom line is this, who has your Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your heart. It was broken for us. Paid our sin debt. Lord, thank you for salvation. Thank you for holding us fast, no matter what. Lord I pray you challenge our hearts today that we would be people that you can bless. That we'd be a people that were pure in heart. Lord we need to see you. We need you in our daily life. We need to see you every day. Lord you've made a promise that if we will be pure in heart that you'll be seen blessing us, using us. Lord speak to our hearts this morning. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask you, do you know God? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Have you been born again? You're on your way to heaven. You have no doubt of that. If you died this moment, you should go to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high and say, Yes, I know that I'm saved. God bless me. You. put your hands down. Perhaps you're here this morning. You don't have that peace. God wants you to have that peace. I want you to have that peace. But God more than I wants you to know today. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to have a peace that you're on your way to heaven. Could I pray for you this morning and say, I don't have that peace. I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand up right now? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You say, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Could I pray for you today? I won't call you out, I won't embarrass you. It starts with being honest. Is God speaking to your heart? Would you slip your hand up? Could I pray for you? Christian? Who has your heart? The invitation today is very simple. It might be today that God is speaking to your heart about one thing you're holding on to and not giving to him. Something that you won't let go of, and yet God is challenging your heart right now. And today you know that you need to come and lay that at the altar and say, Lord, I give it to you. I give you all. It might be that secret sin. You don't want anybody else to know about it, but God does. Won't you lay it on the altar? might be a sin that you've committed before and you're so ashamed oh won't you come today and confess it to him he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness it might be that there's part of your heart you said Lord later Lord I'll do it someday Or Lord I'll make a commitment to you someday Listen, that day may never come. It's lukewarm right now. God's got part of your heart. Listen, won't you come today and say, Lord, today is the day. I'm giving all my heart to you. I'm surrendering it all to you. I want to be Christ-like. I want you to bless me. Is God speaking to your heart, you're here this morning and say, Yes, preacher, God has spoken to my heart this morning. I want to give all my heart to the Lord. Would you lift your hand up and say, Yes, God has spoken to my heart. I want him to have all of my heart. God bless you. Would you respond? Would you come and ask the Lord? Would you come and offer yourself to him? Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you so much, Lord, for speaking to our hearts today. Many hands have been raised. Lord, I pray that we would, on bended knee, respond. Lord, I pray you'd move. May this truly be an invitation, Lord, that we would listen as your Holy Spirit calls. That you deliver those that are here, perhaps that are carrying something. Lord, that you'd give strength to those that need it. Lord, I pray that today we'd give no place to the devil. Lord, that we would give all of our hearts to you. I pray this in Jesus' name, with our heads bowed, eyes.